0: Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we, me, Charlie, are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. What's the greatest thing about having a team, Charlie?
1: They do things that I don't want to do.
0: Oh, they enhance and they're a great extension of your vision where you want to try and get to. One of the greatest visions that I think we've ever created, do you want to know what it is at Business Investing? Wait, wait.
1: Is it the newsletter? It is
0: the newsletter. So if you want to sit there and appreciate what a team can conjure up and put together because you're a business owner and you appreciate these types of things, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, hit subscribe, and you know what? Reply back to one of the emails. Say congratulations team, like what you're putting out, and we'll send
1: on the appreciation. Charlie, let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and & Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business & Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I wonder if anyone picked up from our intro that we're going to be discussing team today. No, I don't think I was uh, that forward with it. Well, before we get into that, I do want to give a massive shout out to the team behind this podcast. Like they do a phenomenal job and the quality and work ethic and uh, in all honesty, I'm very just proud of the work we do. Like I love sending people episodes. So big thank you to the team and everyone sits behind it. Big thank you to the fans as well who consume this stuff. So huge, Amen. huge shout outs there. All right. So today we're actually doing a Q&A episode and I'm not sure if it's maybe just it the wind direction. Maybe the season, you know, it's getting a bit colder the season. in Australia.
0: I was waiting for the season to come rolling in. <laughs> yeah,
1: the season. I have received several questions from people about team in the last couple of weeks uh, from people on the email list. So, again, we'll reference it. If you are on the list, just reply to an email, shoot in your questions or email me directly. We love covering them on the show. I I kid you not, last weekend, Grant and I were uh, away on a golfing weekend slash business weekend if the ATO is listening. Although we did discuss a lot of business stuff. That's legit. I think that's all Um, we did do. (laughs) But this question particularly... Hours of interesting discussion came on the back of it so and valuable discussion so much so that we want to turn it into a podcast episode. So today's uh, question we're going to be covering, and we're just going to be covering one because this is a big question, comes from uh, Jackie. All right, so I'll read it out and then we'll dig into some things from here. So Jackie, for reference, has a property management business. Now, for reference, Jackie, you're you're our type of person. You are both a business owner and in real estate. You're one of our kind. Although, I mean, I don't want to dispel people that aren't interested in investing in other things or non business owners, but got to be very similar to you and I. Now, it's the question like the from Avatar. Uh, I would agree, the avatar of the show. Now, the question from Jackie here is like, I'd love an episode more on team and management structures, which we will get into today. And she's got the specific goal of being able to step out of the day today in her business. Really key distinction I want to zoom in on today about team with the intent of stepping out. Now she said that, especially in the industry I'm in, I found it incredibly difficult to find good and reliable people. I am gonna pause here, Grant. I've heard this in every industry. I don't I think say, any I don't industry, think there's Grant. one industry that's <laughs> This is
0: why there's one industry that's like floating around. It's like the perfect if anyone people, knows an industry <laughs> like we just,
1: It's just like no one's found it. <laughs> yeah. If there is an industry where it's incredibly easy to do team, I would love to know. Maybe it's day trading. Like maybe day trading is the answer here. Oh wait, that's no team. <laughs> it's like your team of one, you. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> being a novelist. Just using uh, no, anyway, point being is the team's joke. hard in general. There is definitely um, something that comes in with that. She's also referenced here, though, that she pays above award rate and offers work from home. She would love to scale her business further, but the team stuff just sucks her soul. So there's a lot in this, a lot. Do you feel, Grant, that this is commonly how most business owners feel about team? Is this an isolated case or something that they're all out there doing?
0: That's isolated. (laughs) The amount of business owners that I talk to that could be summarized that business would be a lot more fun without team and clients is
1: immense. be too easy, right? I, I will reference <laughs> it as like it's, you know, I used to play Duke Nukem a little bit when I was a kid. Were you a Duke Nukem kind of guy? Dude, the 3D, give it to me. Damn straight. As soon as you put the cheat codes in for God mode and all the guns and ammunition, the game lost its fun right? It did. I don't know. It's because. <laughs> I got a good day.
0: <laughs> I got a good day out of it.
1: <laughs> I, I disagree. I feel like team's are the same. If you take out the client aspect, the being profitable, like the team side of it as well, it's like, what is it? It's these challenges and things that make it valuable. If this game suddenly got easy, guess what? Everyone can do it and we wouldn't be able I to completely. necessarily attain the levels of reward that came from it. So I just offer, offer everyone a bit of a kind of like a mindset refresh on this one. Sage is our, we might go deep today as well, is like I think we need to recognize it's because business is hard that it's valuable. If it's easy, everyone could do it and then the rewards, and when I say rewards financially here and lifestyle, are diminished. That's what makes this game special.
0: It's almost like that. The harder p- the pill you need to swallow, the greater the rewards that you receive.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's unpack a little bit of this question here. So um, I think the first thing I'd really love to discuss with you on this one is like hiring team with a specific intent. And I wanna go deeper than that because I believe there's two. Sometimes there's people out there that just hire with the intent of getting help, right? And then at other times there's the intent of hiring because someone wants to, in this case, step out of the day to day. And I think like they're very different and I'm not sure business owners actually approach hiring differently. In that circumstance, they're just trying to trying to like find someone. What are your views on this? Yeah, I think I, I
0: concur to an extent. But as business owners, we dive into the idea of business because we think we're going to generate more money and have more free time. And so we to go okay. Well, the easiest way for us to do that is using leverage, which is people. Where the entire goal is, I just need more people to get me out and i think that that's just a false fallacy wait, i actually think that the intent wait, is you're telling me wrong. you
1: can hire people and end up with less time <laughs> <laughs> i haven't done that ever yeah it's t- but totally but and
0: it, i actually think that the the challenge is to that that to use this example explicitly the intent is completely incorrect like if you've got an intent for I just want to be out of the day to day of the business. That's like saying I'm going to start a business because I want to generate ten million dollars. Like you, you're so far away from it that there's so many stages that you need to go to it before you can even get there. Like the first intent. I kind is of like, disagree with be, that. Oh,
1: go. I, I get where you're coming from in, in a big way there, but I'll express how I feel about this, and we'll pretend to be Jackie in this scenario here, All right? If you're I mean, running a property management business, let's say. And um, you're going out there right now and you're just trying to fill the individual roles, but everything leads to you managing them. If you hire people in that capacity and keep hiring them, which is what I did in my first agency, by the way, the challenge that exists is that every time you hire someone, you build yourself deeper into management. So you hire another person, it's another person you've got to manage, you've got to then manage that team. If instead you approach this from the strategy of hiring the manager as the first hire here potentially, and then hired underneath them, well, that's leverage. That's where you're now building something which doesn't increase your time, it increases the manager's time as you hire further out. And I'll use another example here for the agency. When when I had my first uh, PPC agency, the way I was hiring and approaching hiring from the intent is going, cool, I need someone who could do ads, I need someone who could do copy, I need someone who could do images. And like every time I hired that person, I'm just running them through me, ending up with the time suck and w- what's a reference? sucking my soul and why this ends up sucking your soul is because every time you hire you get less time right and to make matters worse potentially you're uh, hiring junior people with no experience and taking a long time for them to scale we'll come back to that but i think that's a really key point out of this of like the intent of hiring versus uh, what we do today like if you think of what happens at our media company right when we uh like we have pod masters Right, which are people that manage podcasts and then we hire a team to sit with those podmasters, that unit operates independently. Your time doesn't get increased in needing to do it because of the nature of the hiring structure. I don't think anyone thinks about that until they've gone through a horrific experience like I have. And I dare say you have as well. Um, But the point I'll make there is you're referencing the stages though, that it's like it gets easier when you're a $10 million company to think of things like that or that you have to go through some evolution of working in it versus on it. And I do agree with that in uh, turn, but I don't think the intent is thought of or brought before that.
0: Get you? And I think we're saying the same thing because I would actually make the intent one layer deeper, which is where I was going to go, which is very in line with what you've got. So yes, my vision or my my end goal is for me to get out of the day today. Easy, done deal. But I can't go and hire, to your point, a manager, and like their key objective is to get me out of the day to day. Like it has to be broken down sure, into sure some more finite success. <laughs> there are creatures out there that can do it, but at this stage, it sounds like there are more struggles in Jackie's scenario that she needs to work through. And to use your management example, which I think is a great one, it's like great this management of this property management layer. That's what I need to do. And these are the things that you need to achieve to be successful in that role. But that's the outcome. That's I, the I'm intent I'm going to push back Not on that me. as well.
1: I Just look at it. The constraints often become cash. That's what we're really talking about in this construct always. Here, is like it Always. You is can completely hire a manager with the intent of your job is to keep me out of the day-to-day. I think that is a great intention. And if your manager knows that that is the grading system, Like you're doing well if I'm not getting things loaded on my plate. I think that's a fantastic relationship setup. I really do. Defining the tasks that sit under that being successful to your point, hugely important, but I'm down for doing that. The challenge for a lot of small business owners particularly is that they can't afford to hire that person first, or they don't think long-term enough first where they hire all the other people and they are the manager role is something that I see more common that's, (laughs) And that is the key.
0: Point that I'm saying here, so we are saying a very similar thing. Like to find to go and grab what a lot of people call in the integrator, which we'll call that is that. Like that's stages, but you need the people to do the thing. You need to manage the team, and then it's almost like you got to get yourself out.
1: Do you think it's worth it potentially taking on debt or not paying yourself to get the manager earlier on in the journey? rather than trying to evolve into it and bootstrap to that point
0: it's a great question
1: <clears throat> thanks and i, I didn't prep it for you i just i just felt like i, I felt me in the moment i'm like i i feel like this is the grant question
0: it is so you're talking to a guy that had a company or has a company that raised millions of dollars in cash and that's we, why i, I sun- feel like you are the guy <laughs> And we, and we sunk a lot of money and we allocated a lot of that capital to team, not to sales and marketing. Um, and so, you know, in other words, we had some debt to go and do this thing. And it. I think it's the wrong wrong approach. Uh, the, the, so you think bootstrapping
1: is a better play?
0: The challenge that comes with, if, if you go and raise a whole heap of cash, uh, cash is not a scarcity, it's not a scarce resource, which means that you openly spend it, which is a good – it can be a good thing. But the problem when we had – that we had in the organization was that we just allocated it to the wrong spot, which means that we tried to buy our way out of an operational challenge instead of actually feel the pain of not having the cash there to actually go, do we have the right people in the right seats in the right bar so we actually go in the right direction? Is it profitable? Is it doing all these things? Because it got hidden because it was a huge amount of cash in, in a bank account, which means that we looked elsewhere – to go and try and solve the problem. Where if you're bootstrapping, you have the challenge of cash where you have to solve the problem. You can't bloat a delivery team because you don't have the cash. You can't have inefficiencies. You can't have people that are just sitting on a bus not doing anything
1: because you just don't have the (laughs) cash. It's it's like I'm I'm on a diet, so I'm not going to have the food in the pantry or the fridge. That's exactly it. It's like I can't eat the chocolate if I don't have it.
0: (laughs) And that, but that's... And so... I, I get the idea of, and I'm, I'm a supporter of the idea of debt for scalability and growth and all these things. But it is such a horrific sword because it, it masks so many key problems. So my recommendation to most businesses, almost all of them, is don't do it. Just just bootstrap your way through. And if you're ever going to get debt, that's for scale, not for operational improvement.
1: Oh, see, that's it. that's being you are someone that's done it, and I have and I do weight your answer heavily, more heavily than I. I will also counter it a little bit though. I am particularly strong in demand generation. Like I'm very good at marketing and sales. That is my skill set. I look back on what I did in my businesses and if I could partner or hire or needed to take on debt to bring in the skill of management and running the day-to-day so I can be freed up to focus on scale, I actually think that's a good idea. I think in future there wouldn't be a single business I went into where the intent was for me to be in management and day-to-day because my core competency is marketing and sales. Um, If you're better at management, then I would lean more your way. So if you're more inclined to want to work with the team, you're more inclined to be a good um, COO over a CMO, then I would only elect to use capital to scale. And whether that's hiring salespeople, whether that's paying commissions, I think when it comes to team, you've really got to wait these things out on the role you want to play as well. Um, or it might be you want to be in a more strategical role. So hugely interesting point there. But I will come back to um, Jackie's question. Another thing I would just want to um, touch on here is, um, which I think is not discussed enough, is hiring people with experience versus hiring people that are, don't have experience when it comes to team. <laughs> right, What's what your take? Do you want me to go first? Or you go first. I went first last I'm worried that I'm one. gonna say something that's too brutal and we may lose the fans. <laughs> say it. Do it. Who cares, man? This is for us anyway. Hiring people without session, that experience is a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> I've said it's it. It's like the worst thing ever.
0: <laughs> it, uh, I feel like it's say that. Like yeah, yeah. <sighs> but hang on. I've sword though. I've done it in the past many times.
1: Me too. That's why I know it's a fucking <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I don't like to swear, but I'm trying to emphasize here of really driving this one home. Wow. So, let's go through this. At some point, someone wrote a book where it's like, you know, higher on attitude and, you know, the would you have a beer with them test and like if you get the culture right that you can train on skills. Yep. And why that is absolutely broken is how much it slows down a business to hire people that are inexperienced. Now, I'm going to use an example. We're going to go deeper here. You asked for it. I'm up and about now. There's a bit of rantiness here. Here he is. Let's He's on his soapbox. Let's say you hire a video editor and they've, you know, really like them. You know, they've got a great attitude, great skill. I'm sorry, not great skill. They have no skills, right? They've got a great yeah. attitude. You could have a beer with them. You hire them as a video editor and they spend the next nine months getting skilled as a video editor. Now the pros are you probably got them cheap because they didn't have any skills. The problem is, is that you've filled a role and for nine months, the productivity of your business is going to be low that you're going to, you've just slowed down the entire business. Now, conversely, you hire a video editor that's spent two years doing the thing you need done in your business. And let's say they're half in compared to this person with like a perfect cultural fit, but you can drop them in and they're going to be productive in under 30 days the speed of the organization and what you can do is greatly deterred. Now I will admit the Goldilocks is finding someone with two years of experience and has a great attitude and like I definitely value that. But I have taken from the general consensus is that we're spending way too much time on attitude and not enough on skills where I would change the weighting of those immensely. And um, since doing that, I've been able to do things in a way that is much faster. Just just imagine this. The story of two property management businesses. One that only hires people with 2 years of experience and another one that only hires people that have no experience. Which one do you think would win? <laughs> the one with experience, surely. The- Correct. <laughs> and
0: yeah, to add to that, I <laughs> yeah, when when I first started my agency, I <laughs> So we, we did SEO and I laughed so hard because uh, I famously was quoted on the idea of recruiting people that didn't know how to do the thing so that I could actually train them correctly from the start because I, I had hired a few people that thought that they knew how to do SEO and I had to untrain what they had learned and then like rebuild them. And I'm like, well, I could just totally cut out the untrain and start again from scratch. <laughs> And it was the worst idea I've ever done (laughs) because like these people were nine months into a job (laughs) and they still had no idea because they just, they missed the context. They had no understanding of like when a curveball came at them, what they would do. They'll just be deer in the headlights going, what do I do now? And so then I built a framework on how to ask me questions to try and overcome people's logic. And I was just... All I was doing was just fighting this headwind. Where am I? If I just got someone that did the thing and just taught them our ways, and I'm like, just so much easier. (laughs) So
1: yes, again, I would look uh, for organize. Thank you to the organizations like you that would train the people that then I would hire. So thank you, thank you to all the other organizations (laughs) out there. Training up these people that I will hire after you've trained them and you've just paid for their whole training cycle and I'm going to take care of the productivity and profitable part. Thank you. You you remember how many people I've recruited
0: that have got like two, three years of experience in like the one agency? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So um, are they doing this, 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 this and not doing this, this, this? Like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. I'm like, that's exactly why I need to come work for us. (laughs) Just because they were doing everything that I used to do. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly where you're at. Come over here. Come over here. Just literally they've gone to uh, experience university
1: for me. Wholeheartedly. So let's think about like productivity of a team for a second. Is like These are some things you can really change here. And I know we've uh, veered a little bit, but I want to come back to Jackie's question a little bit more here. But I'm hopeful people can gauge some insights when thinking about their own business Because particularly in some of the worlds we operate, there seems to be a culture of hiring salespeople or setting people without experience. And then when it doesn't work out, they're disappointed and they haven't necessarily recognized the cost of re-recruitment. When the reality is if they'd paid more for an employee with some experience, yes, it's going to cost you more. The returns they would have actually got would have been much greater than trying to train people from scratch. Training from scratch is very difficult and I think should be avoided when possible. It, re- it really, really should. Now, um, Jackie's then referenced the idea of like, it's hard to find good and reliable people. So w- I'd love to go into some points on this one. Okay, I'm going to my a dope. little bit. And once upon a time, I feel that when unemployment was higher, it certainly was easier to find talent. I don't think we can deny that there was times when there was more availability of talent. And in the time we are in today, that has changed. So I, I want to acknowledge that. But I also say that I think a lot of people actually don't allow enough time to find talent and don't utilize the things that are out there these days. So for example, putting an ad up on Seek or online jobs is you know something that would have been enough once upon a time where the people I know that are doing recruitment the best are actually doing Seek, online jobs, LinkedIn ads, using recruiters, Facebook ads, utilizing their network more differently. Uh, I look at it and go, the effort they're putting in to find A-grade talent is substantially higher than the companies that are not. I think that's a a really huge point I want to make here is that, and think of the knock-on effects. In the last roles that you've hired, and I get people to kind of recheck themselves, I know the efforts we go to, and this is the reason I say it, is that if you're only putting an ad up on seek and putting it up for a couple of weeks and having an expectation that a unicorn's going to fall out, I think that's pretty low. I think that you wanna be thinking uh, first off in the idea of like, this is like a 30 to 60 day campaign depending on how rare the role is. This is something where you're gonna wanna go multifacet and do many of the angles I've spoken about uh, previously just there in finding someone and then making sure that you've got a good selection of candidates to hire from. Like if you've only got drop kicks to hire from, the knock-on impact again is like it's likely not going to work out. They're likely going to be low-productive. The worst result is they're a dropkick and they stay because then you've got a uh, you know, potential C player on the team, but then um, it's all come back to the lack of time and effort put into recruiting. How do you feel about that, Graham? Yeah. It, the way I've always thought about it
0: is just like I would have a, a marketing engine for a business that leads into a sales funnel then I get a client, it's the exact same for recruitment. It's, I have this marketing engine to the, to the point like we don't ever stop recruiting or advertising for recruitment of like video editors. Like it just doesn't stop. We might not be looking for something, but like the engine continues, <laughs> like it just keeps going. And then it brings me to my second point. The reason it keeps going is because, and this is where a lot of business owners get caught out, is this desperation to go and find somebody now because I needed them yesterday. And then they become reliant on just grabbing whatever is available. And so that is such a good point. Hiring late. Yeah. And so the necessity for them just to go, well, these are the three candidates I've got within this 48 hour window. One of them I have to bring on because I've got clients that are upset, et cetera. Like that is, that is like cutting yourself with a knife, right? Like the best way to approach it is like, not to have the knife in a place that is going to potentially cut you. Like that is the best step one that you can do, which is have the capacity available, have the redundancy. Do what is it? James Shramko talks about like the Noah's Ark. Like there's like two of people, two of people in most roles. Like you have something where if someone leaves, you still can deliver the job. Like it's still going to hurt a little bit, but you have the capacity there because you're not forced into this layer of actually going, oh, my gosh,
1: I need someone very quick, smart. I'll mention one thing I've seen you do very well also here, Um, the idea of top grading. So please note there's HR rules and things you may need to acknowledge on top of this as well. So cautiously use this strategy. Um, One of the things I've seen you do at an excellence level is this always recruiting thing where the idea of that if you're always recruiting and doing it well, when a premium piece of talent comes across, you actually have the ability to upgrade your team. So there might be someone that's not suited, not performing, and instead of holding on to a B or C player, you'll actually uh, remove someone who's not right for the role and bring someone in who can up level, and it's like a team upgrade strategy. So as a part of this, it's not just the idea of um, hiring someone when you need it, but also upgrading people on your team when you have that capability. And maybe it's because you had a really low budget once upon a time and you could only afford a junior or someone that didn't have certain skills. But as your business has evolved, you've been able to selectively replace people and that's been huge from increasing organisational productivity. But it, And it goes even goes
0: further than that. Like um, We deal with industries that go through a lot of change, technology updates, the style of editing, and, and everything just changes. And so what sometimes you'll find is that there are people who resist change. And it's not like a negative thing, but it's like, okay, well, if I'm coming up against a resistance to change or I'm coming up against someone that might not want to adapt to where we're going to, the only way that I can slowly clean out this team or improve this team or optimize this team is through your point around going and finding talent that is as adaptable to the change or it's already done the change, bring them in and then have a difficult conversation with the team member that's not.
1: Huge. Absolutely huge point. I think it's massive there. I'm going to come back to um, some points in this question here that I, it's so much to unpack. You can see how we spoke about this for hours. Um, what about keeping good people? This is a really big thing there is like when you look at a uh, team, is there anything you would uh, encourage around keeping good people?
0: It, it's so funny. Like the the team side is so similar to the sales and marketing side um, and i going to share something a lot of organizations especially in the software as a service space spend all their time and effort on trying to find new people than they do retaining clients (laughs) and so they've got this huge engine that spends a fortune just trying to bring in what they call like new logos And then they've got this tiny little engine that supports the people that are already on the inside of the camp. (laughs) And I see this all the time with teams where they spend a huge amount of time, they pay recruiters, they do everything to find like a talent that fits into their organization that has the skill sets they need. And then zero time to the extent of almost neglect, maintaining them, making sure that they actually want to stay, uh, making sure that you align to where they're trying to get to in their career, et cetera. Um, And it's sad to see because it is actually easier to keep them on the inside of the camp than to go and find another one because of the sunk costs of recruitment, time for them to understand the organization, the cost of someone else trying to train them up, et cetera. And so this is one massive gap that a lot of businesses struggle with. And I think it's because it's it's, it's almost like they think the work is done. It's like, well, I recruited you and this is a fair exchange of me paying a salary and you doing the work. So we're we're good, yeah? we we be Gucci. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. You have to continue to maintain, have to continue to ensure that they are still getting what they need out of it. There is still a human being that has aspirations, career goals. They want to learn new things. They want to potentially have higher salaries. They want to do these things. And as a business owner or even your managers that you've got in place, they have to support them on that. Or otherwise, people will just churn it at the back door.
1: Completely. I'll go further than that. I want to acknowledge that in a lot of cases when we hire people, it's like it, our role evolves as business owners and then we're off doing other things that it's easy for this to slip through the cracks. I, I will pull my hand up. I hired an excellent employee in my first agency and I didn't look after them well. I basically ignored them. I just expected them in your terms. It's like I'm paying you, you should want to be here. And yep. I think that was a terrible Very mindset shy. on my part. Yeah. I'm going to go into some things that I've really noticed make a difference here is that... Um, I'm going to broach the pay thing first. If you hire someone and uh, have gone through your dispaying them way too less, like you're really trying to be a Scrooge McDuck, if someone's personal needs aren't being met and they can't look after their family, like they're going to leave. You've set it up from the get-go, right? So as much as I don't want the conversation to be entirely about money, because that's not what retains good team, by the way, I know plenty of people that have quit very high paying jobs because of the way they're being treated in an organization, right? So it's like, it's not directly money that forces people to leave, but I think if it's directly too little money, it can, it definitely can. So Jackie's doing a good job here where she's paying above ward or at award or whatever is relevant. I think that's a really good thing here. Like pay fairly, I think is an important thing to broach. Um, Second thing I'll say is that I see a huge reason why people leave is actually stress, work stress. And Where that can come from, in my opinion, is when organizations aren't organized. So unreasonable workloads, not using project management software, not having uh, reasonable meetings or meeting structures and cadences, because if it all falls out and your organization is chaos, if that's someone's daily experience, they end up burnt out and then they want to quit. Right, so I think those things have to be addressed in a huge way as well. And I'll even go further than this. I think sometimes business owners price things really poorly. Right, so they've got a, they've priced their services poorly. They then put a, a lot of pressure on their teams to be overly productive and get achieve these massive outputs because if they don't, they're not profitable. And I think that's a bad nature, and that's your responsibility as a business owner. Right. The idea is that you want to have a business where you're creating enough profit and workloads are reasonable, so it's sustainable. Like, who wants to work in an organization when you're killing people? And um, I know of a person who runs an organization. They got salespeople. And sorry, I just spilled a little bit of water. It's gonna wipe this up here quickly. Whoops, my bad. Um, but the point I make is like they're in sales and they're expecting people to make three hundred calls a day, and I'm like. What a recipe for someone to want to so churn. I, I'm like, that type of role is built into a churn. So I look at that. I think that's a really important thing for keeping people is making sure the roles are reasonable, that things are organized and uh, represented in a way where day-to-day life can be enjoyed. I really do. Um Third one, oh, he's pointing at me. This means he wants to say something. <laughs> like, Maybe I'm like, there's so much that I'm like, I just want to jump
0: in on it. So you've mentioned a couple of really good things and there are some anecdotal approaches that I, pl- that I apply across to the top of it. And I want to dive into your a concept around like the capacity plan of an individual. A lot of business owners, especially myself, like I, I did this and I probably still do this, is I- I think we should just say every time we say a lot of business owners <laughs> it's like really just, us. Just, yeah, so I, I look at people going, well- if I'm not an expert video editor and I can do these things in this amount of time, a good video editor must be able to, for sure. Like, right, they've got the same gusto, they've got the same emphasis as me. And the probability is no, right? Like, we are business owners, we are bought into the outcome that our business is going to generate. And I was talking to a mentor of mine ages ago, and Charlie, I've shared this to you before about this kind of problem. And he's like, think of it like you've got two F1 teams you've got one F1 team who's got an engine that can only do 1,000 horsepower. And all of the engineers are trying to take it from 950 horsepower to like 960, 970 to try and max out the amount that they can get from this engine. He's like, but you just have this other F1 team that just builds an engine that's got a 1,200 horsepower. And instead of taking 950 to 960, 970, it's just like the team, the engine is so much bigger that it can support it, which is this whole, of capacity where you're now not trying to do these micro-improvements to try and gas it. It's like, how do I get the most out of my team, like maximize every minute? It's like, it doesn't matter because you've got the space. You've got this engine that then you can go from 950 to 1,000 to 1,050, which is the whole point around this capacity that what you expect from somebody or a team is below their complete red line in this example. So the whole approach is trying to be like the second... Team where you have the capacity, where you're not redlining everybody, you don't have unrealistic expectations because that makes them want to stay because they're not redlining all the time.
1: So, again, I feel like point. this comes back to pricing and business model. If you've priced it can, your business poorly, yeah, I, I again, and like the tough pill to swallow in a lot of cases is I think a lot of business owners don't realize how influential the decisions they make strategically are on team. So again, use that example. If you've priced poorly, business model is poor, then you can only afford cheap staff. Well, of course, you're gonna have a shit time with team, right? If if like you've built it in by design, like what are your expectations? Um, which is where more strategical stuff uh, comes into point there. In and my first agency, I've referenced this as well. Is like I think reengineering that into what we do today has been a large part of why we've been able to be more successful. I'm not determined our video editors need to do 800 podcasts a day for this uh, business to be successful or, uh, you know, be able to do these things like margin matters in what you can support in an organization. Um, I'll I'll throw some more in here as well. What's really interesting, and I know you will reference this, is uh, someone on our team, which I will give a shout-out to, is Elaine, which is this person that is not specifically working on the podcast but works in the media company. When I hired Elaine um, originally, I actually did the hiring. That's how long she's been with us. Um, I hired her as a writer and she's now someone I would call a, a senior manager. Um, she's awesome and an amazing person. I look at it and gone like career progression. Like how important Huge. is it to someone to be able to develop and expand and like the rewards they can get out of that. So if, if you layer these three where it's like, cool, I'm paid fairly, there's not a stressful environment due to lack of management um, and and just – mess everywhere and unreasonable workloads and there's the ability for me to learn and grow and develop myself well now this is a much more enticing place to work and somewhere i might want to stay right so again i I think these are late and then the fourth one i'll have there is like you got to give a shit about your employees (laughs) if you don't like it will show like i care about my team Like, I very much engage with them. I know about them. I want to help them. I want to be involved in their lives because they're involved in mine. They're a huge part of the things I have in my life. Like, I'm not naive to think that when I take Jack to the park or when I get him his little Batman hoodie out there that he's probably wearing right now is that they played a critical role in that being able to exist. I'm I'm grateful for them in my life. They're not a burden. They're a contributor. And I – the. The
0: one thing that I will just say across the top of all of that is I always do this one sanity health check, which is when a specific team member in the organization goes and catches up with family and friends for a dinner, right? So they go out for dinner, catch up. And I always use the barbecue example because for some reason that makes more sense of people in the backyard, family around barbecue. I'm like, everybody, I can see it. it, you You got it? So family and friends are all around. And then everybody's first question is like, how's work? And I'm like, What's my team ever going to say? And that's like my sanity check every single time because no one ever just splits the middle. No one ever responds. It's like, oh, it works okay. Like they're always like, oh, work sucks this week because blah, 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 blah. Or they're like, works awesome. We signed this client. We're doing these things that we're trying to change. Like no one just says nothing, right? It's either really good or really bad. And so I do this check in consistently with me of going, okay, well, when the team catches up with friends and family, like, what are they going to say? And I'm like, if they're just going to split the difference, they're probably going to go negative. So I'm like, how do I give them good news stories? It might not be directly for them. It might be, oh, we signed this new client or "Or we're doing this unique thing. Or it could be, you know what? It's, It's a good place to work. We have good people that we work with. We do these things. And that is such a good sanity check because if it's always the negative, I go into, is it too much capacity? Is it unrealistic expectations? Is it a bad culture? And try and unpack why. And then I try and fix that in the organization.
1: Team acknowledgement as well. Like you've got to, when your people do awesome things, uh, I think the tendency of many business owners, again, I've just said that again, which means me, right? It was me who did this. (laughs) Not acknowledging people (laughs) for getting wins. Like if someone does something awesome in your team, acknowledge it. Give them praise. Let them know that they've done a great job. Like that in turn helps people stay as well. If they feel underappreciated or underacknowledged, and this might be unintentional. It might you've seen it, but just not uh, acknowledged it. I think that is a huge uh, reason why people uh, leave an organisation as well. I got a question for you. <clears throat>
0: so Jackie goes on to talk about like paying above the award, the award rate. Do you think that the more money you spend on a team members equals
1: a better outcome or a better output? Can you? That is not necessarily my fine finding at all. I've paid premium yeah, for it. talent at times. <laughs> I've gone well above and they haven't been better. I'll share some insight and this is like um, something I've really seen in people. I know that when someone, if I find someone who's internally motivated to be successful in a company, they will succeed. That's what I'm looking for. It's people that need external motivation that tend to be the ones that are flaky when like, And I'll give you another example. There's an awesome individual on our team called Tal who I uh, will give a shout-out to. We might have to send this episode to some of them as well. I'm not sure where it comes from, but she is incredibly internally motivated to succeed. She, she's got this amazing personal characteristic where she's driven for success. Like My job is like I just think of her as she's this little ball of fire. I'm just sitting here with a petrol can. I just want to douse that. I want to light that flame up and enable her. But you you get my point of view there is like when I'm hiring, that's like almost what I'm thinking about is like you can very much see it and I don't think pay grade necessarily represents that. I've had people I've brought in that have just – they've got it and then other times I've paid premium and I've paid premium and it's worked out as well, I will say. But that's what makes me think that necessarily how much you pay isn't directly tied to an output. It can greatly differ the amount of candidates you get to apply for a role though is something I have seen.
0: Totally. I I still find it fascinating the amount of people that apply for roles, like potential employees, where they are willing to take a pay cut to get away from the organisation they're currently at. And I just sit there and I say it's like it's that the pay does not determine the success of a candidate or like the success of an employee. Like it is the individual and your ability to filter it out. And so even like just trying to buy your way out of problems. I I just don't think it's always a tick in a box. To your point, you get more candidates, but it's just it does not work that way.
1: Completely. I I think there's a huge one there. Uh, I'm just going to look over uh, Jackie's question here. I might even do a bit of a recap before we round this one up. How do you feel?
0: Let's do this. So, there's so much. To so much in this. this. Definitely. Oh my gosh. All right. So, no,
1: number one is like uh, I want to say wholeheartedly is that if you are someone that's trying to build a team so you can step out of the day to day, you've got to do it with that intent. You can't just hire people to fill roles. You've got to think about: well, Am I hiring someone where I'm going to plan to manage them, and then in future hire a manager to take over this so I can get out of the day to day, or am I going to hire a manager first and then load up team under a manager? I, I just think that's and such does, critical thinking. That
0: you, And does the business model and the profit support that?
1: <laughs> Massive. <laughs> that,
0: that layer
1: is so important. Just because you're in a business doesn't mean you're entitled to it working out. Like your way of scaling may be very different than you intend. Like that's how oh, it is. There's, there's plenty there's of such another business there. ideas. Should we make a list of great business ideas that aren't viable? <laughs> <laughs> the things we've looked at that we said no to. <laughs> It's very real. There's many of them out there that sound like such a good idea that are just not when you look at the numbers underneath. And it's not that they're not impactful. It's not that you can't find the talent. It's not that they're not um, a a whole bunch of things. Like, would people buy it? It's that you would go broke in the process. Not viable. Your Life life would be terrible. (laughs) So um, intent from that, I think, is really big. And you've got to be open-minded to that stuff. Like in Jackie's case, this is not true for Jackie, but I'll use an example here. In her area, she may have just maxed out her opportunity. The only way to scale this business, like this business in the area she's in, might only be viable if she has a small team of four. She might have to move to a, a major city like Sydney where there's a bigger talent pool and all the rest of it if she wants to have a team of 100. Just to, like, But that's Jackie's personal circumstances and I don't know where Jackie lives so I've got no reference. I'm just using this as an ID here. If you live in a town with a population of 100 people and your ambitions are to have 100 employees, you're going to have some challenges. You may need to move or offer work from home or do different products or services. But let, let's, I'll uh, step out of that from there. The, the critical thing of uh, management. Second thing, uh, struggling to find good people. Everyone says that. I don't I don't believe it, to be honest. I think it's all hard. I think what is required to succeed in finding good people, and I know you concur with this, you've got to recruit so much harder in bigger windows. You've got to not just put an ad up on Seek or an online jobs anymore. You need to do both. You need to run Facebook ad campaigns or LinkedIn campaigns. You need to use recruiters or utilize your network um, in a, a much stronger way. So if you're struggling to find people right now, my view is triple it. You gotta triple down. You gotta really do it that and expand the time frame so you have good quality candidates. Uh, they are out there. Like they really are out there and you want to entice them. One thing I'll kind of say though is if you put an ad up on Seek, just remember you're only gonna find people that are looking for work. If you put an ad up as on Facebook ads, you might be able to find someone that wasn't necessarily looking for that career shift and you're gonna entice them, right? So you're gonna open up a different pool of people. Uh, next thing she reckons or references is uh, pay award or above that. Hopefully, we've spoken about that well enough. We are saying that's one layer of it. That's not the only layer. Like you can't just pay your way out of this. I think that's a, a great thing. You also need to have the things in place to keep individuals, offer the incentives, have it a good place to work with good uh, ability to grow. It's a nice environment. People are proud to say they work for your uh, organization. Um, I think is a huge one here. Um, so we've covered that well. And then the reference to scaling this business, we've said, well, this may, uh, in the case, it's like recognizing, is this the way to scale it or is it another way to scale it? And does your business model and pricing and strategical nature come into that? Dan, there's a lot in this episode. Um, and then the uh, last part of it is the team stuff sucks my soul, which I just want to reference down to here of going, if you've set your business up where you are that manager role and you don't want to be that, that's why it's sucking your soul. If you're expecting to hire people and it just to buy you time, it doesn't work like that. There's layers to hiring for leverage versus a hiring which will bring you into it. The point that I will finish on that is I
0: don't think that that will ever stop. I think there will always be a time where a business owner has to get get involved at some capacity with team. Even if they've got managers put in place, other like managers still report to them and they can leave and they can do like this. You will always have a layer of human interaction in your business.
1: I think we changed the expectations. What if you just expected team to need more of your time if you're going to be great at this?
0: Correct. Correct.
1: That's what I'd run with. (gasps) And it's a skill very worth learning. It's a skill very worth getting great at because it is one of the main uh, leverage vehicles available to us in business. In property, we have debt and capital that is the main lever. In the active business world, people can be such a driver if you're good at this, but it can also be such a negative if you're crappy at it.
0: And i would argue it's actually similar for investing as well, Like especially when you're using teams outside. like You're still going to have to do the same thing, like recruit, do all those things, albeit they're not full-time employees typically. But I'm going to wrap it up, Charlie. Let's do it. Good episode. Crushed it. I feel like you did well. I feel like I would give you a a 9.5 out of 10. Now, if you're listening and you wanted to rate Charlie or even myself, not going to say 10 out of 10, please. uh, Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and hit reply to one of those emails and just uh, say, like, who got the better rating?" Just 10 for me, nine and a half, Charlie. It's all good. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.